Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and with me as always is Marit Larwood. I did sound very happy about that. Do you want me to do it again? No, you, you, yes, actually, yes, I do. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango. My name is David Reed, but with me as always is Marit Larwood. Why did I'm... split the difference? Yes. Hi, welcome to Film Fandango. My name is David Reed, but with me as always, it's Marit Larwood. I didn't like any of those three. Okay, well, you do it then. Hello, my name's David Reed, and with me, that's, that's really hard. It's harder than it sounds, isn't it? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. We're going to be talking about some films for a bit. Uh, we've seen uh, some more, I hope, goodies. We had a good week last week, so, I mean, I can't speak for Marek on this one. I'm, I can't remember what you've seen. What would you do, what would you do if you were speaking for me? Um, Apologise first to, to people. Why? I don't know, just for my uh, my general abuse. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. I went to the cinema. Good. I saw a film. Which uh, which cinema? Crouch End, was it? Yes. Good. I uh, know, I went to somewhere, uh, I went to, uh, I can't remember where I saw this film. Might have been, I can't remember where. I went to see Kubo and the Two Strings. I made it sound like a band, haven't I? It does sound like one. It's it's an animation, isn't it? Stop motion. I've seen the poster. It's yes. like of a kid in sort of magical armour of some kind. Yeah, so it's a sort of um, a like a Japanese myth thing. Yeah, I saw a gif on YouTube of stop motion of uh, the animator doing the claymation stuff of yeah. making like a baboon or something do a forward flip with a sword yeah but you see it the baboon moving in real time but you just see this guy sort of doing it like, it's oh, it, really that, cool it, I've got to say if you do go and see this film the end credits are yeah. spectacular where it, it sort of does a, a pictorial versions of the stop motion and it goes into the credits go into the actual people like you were saying yeah doing the stop motion of one of the monsters and a beautiful end credits uh, uh, first and foremost the stop motion animation is incredible the detail what's the story about okay alright it's about there's uh, a boy he lives with his mum on the edge of a village in the rock 
His mum is half in a trance and he wakes up at night to tell stories about uh, his his father and uh, basically his father has apparently died. Uh, they met... They were, his father was killed by his grandfather. Right. Who also, who also stole Kubo's eye. The little boy? Yeah. Stole he, his when eye? When he was a baby. But is, is it like stealing a nose? A bit like, no, no, actually taking it out. <laughs> he took his eye. Yeah. Oh. Um, so the boy lives with his mother and she's in a trance most of the day and he earns stories by going to the village and retelling her stories with these origami sort of uh, pieces of paper that come to life and animate his stories in front of the villagers. Okay. And he has to be back by nightfall because apparently his grandfather, who is the Moon King, is searching everywhere at night for him. And we'll come and find. The I night. do not like this grandfather figure. He doesn't. He's not very nice. That's for sure. Yeah. It's half. It's sort of quite myth, mythological, half fantasy. I have to say, already, I love it. <laughs> I, I love the first half an hour of it. Okay. It looks brilliant. It feels totally original. The way it's pitched is not just. It's not pitched. It's a kids' film, but it's not uh, very kid-like. It's not very Disney. No, no. Right. It's a very classy kids film, uh, which feels on a, a different level. Uh, it feels like quite mythological and quite sort of old school. Yeah. Um, but, and the, the animation is absolutely stunning. Where does the samurai baboon come into it? Okay, so something happens and then uh, the boy is left... With a samurai baboon okay. and a beetle, and trying which to f- one Ringo or no a real sort of man beetle trying to locate the magical bits of armor. Yeah, <laughs> most like George. No, actually, it's probably most like Ringo. Right. Okay. Um, trying to locate magical bits of armor so he can defeat the uh, the Moon King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit. It's just a bit like an Odyssey, really. Right. I think this is where it falls down slightly. Okay. Oddly, the Beatle, who is voiced by um, uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey, really reminded me out of Buzz Lightyear in the way he's voiced. Okay. And it really took me out of the film. I mean, they're very similar actors, Matthew McConaughey and Tim Allen, aren't they? But the, vo- <laughs> but the voice, if you hear the voice, yeah. it just sounds to me like, oh, that's, that's a Beatle Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Even the way he acts, it's <laughs> just the same as Buzz Lightyear, isn't it? If it was a little bit like Toy Story, right. I thought that the plot, the first 30 minutes is beautiful and great, but the Odyssey bit just sort of seems to go into a traditional... Oh, we need to find, we need to defeat these monsters, yeah. find this treasure, have the end battle, everything resolved. And but you don't like that story, do you? I think there is a lot more room for invention. I always quote Flight of Dragons, but I think they did that really, really well, perfectly there. Flight of Dragons breaks out of its own world a bit, which is yeah. cool in a kid's film. In fact, it's what people loved about the Lego movie as well, isn't it? Where it's not just... It, it still is your absolutely typical quest, ultimately, but they surprise you sort of along the way. Yeah, it's not just about quests. It's, it's about... There's a very... And people have quoted saying there's a very sort of melancholic side to it. It's more dark and there's mm. more about life and death 
and about uh, souls and stuff like that. It's all about that, I think, right. in the in the, the sort of uh, a, a sort of high level. You're reminding me of a film called The Book of Life, which was a kid's film based on Mexican uh, mythology and folklore that I enjoyed. I think I reviewed it on the show. And again, it was just like, oh, there's something wonderful in this. And then it just sticks to the traditional a little too much Yes. to be truly its own thing. That's what I mean, as usual, you put it better than I could have done. <laughs> no. um, but I, I agree with you. I, I, my expectations were raised so high mm. by the first half an hour that I thought there would be more invention right in the actual story of the main I mean know, the way you told it I really want to see it now yeah well the first half hour you think this is going to be amazing yeah and it never really lifts off I don't know if I like the beetle or the monkey enough I don't think who's Sean, the monkey? Who's voicing the monkey? Not the monkey. So uh, the, the, sorry, the, 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 the yeah the, the monkey's voiced by Charlize Theron. Okay. I don't think I always compare. Does she to, get her bum out? Um, not really. It's haired over the bum. I think. What? Oh, I guess because she's a female baboon. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. So the superstar. You seem weirdly reticent to talk about bum holes, and I'm confused because that's normally what you're into. Well, I don't think it's, it's not really a bum hole film. Okay, fine. Well, I didn't see it. I don't know. Well, maybe Baboons I'm, are quite a bum maybe hole I've animal. Grown, maybe I've grown up. Maybe you've grown up. Yeah, that's quite possible. Yeah, I've grown up. Since talking about the a hole of the cat in the life of pets. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the best bit about it. The cat's pink bum <laughs> yeah, hole. Yeah, yeah. I, there was a trailer. There was a weird sky advert for that. First of all. Before was the pink film, bum hole and in I it. spent a lot of the time just trying to see almost you know when you play a game and you try and twist to go around corners when you're playing a card yeah with your shoulders I was doing that to try and see see around the cat to see if I could see his bum hole it's funny that isn't it you've reminded me of an advert for Sprite where there was a swimming dog and they they black barred out the dog's dick and if anything it just makes you think more about the dog's dick than than if they just left the dog be a dog. Well, I've, I've um, <laughs> uh, I mean, super fans will know that I've been making YouTube vlogs in an attempt to resurrect my career. They're very good. You should all go and watch them. They're but, on Marek's uh, YouTube channel. But I have been to quite a few museums, and whenever I see a horse, I check if it's got a dick. For example, at the Museum of London. I mean, like a plastic horse. Yeah. Right. No, I mean real horses. I mean, what are real horses doing in museums? No, it was plastic horses. Yeah. Museum of London, there was there was no dicks. Right. I can't remember. Then the London Transport Museum was... No, Museum of London had dicks. London Transport Museum, no dicks. Right. I went to the Tower of London. Yeah. And they did this weird thing where it was half... Almost like a half dick. Um, only, what sort of... In, a dick inside well, a vagina, so a hermaphrodite. No, no, just a weird sort of... Like a massive polo. Around, I don't. I should have taken a photo of it, but it didn't really. I was trying to take a photo of the horses. Maybe that is a mannequin for uh, underwear modelling. So when they put the underwear over, it looks like it's got something. No, it was a really weird thing. They'd use to half half an effort of making the dicks. I couldn't get a photo of it. Cause a lazy. Of, maybe someone has filed off the big old dick. That it was looked on like that it horse. had been du- du- sort of taken off. Yeah. They realised, oh, we need a bit of plastic for the nose. We have to use just take the end off that. I mean, it's an odd job to have, but I suppose someone's got to I do couldn't it. really document it properly because there were lots of children around 
and I am sort of was by myself. They do not walk, like it when you talk I about dicks with steps. a video camera when you're around yeah. loads of kids. I walked up 200 steps and I was quite sweaty. And, <laughs> and, out of and then I was trying to bend down and, and talk about a dick and there were loads of kids around. I thought, I, can't, I yeah, cannot no, I mean, get this dick stuff here. No, you can't. I mean, well done for not doing that. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. It was annoying because I thought this is a, a, a lot of people were probably into this bit right. of it. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's, that's what people want to hear. But, what, what, but anyway, there's no bum holes in, um, in this film. There's so, no bum Sorry, holes. I distracted you. But the point I was trying to make is, and this has happened before in, in Zootropolis as well, where yeah. Idris Elba does a terrible voiceover for the uh, um, bison or whatever it is and that. I don't think these voices... Ralph Fiennes good as the, 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 the evil... Ralph Fiennes is a fantastic voice actor and actor. But like if you look at Watership Down, the old Watership Down, yeah. every single one of those voices was... Brilliant. Yes. Charlize Theron hasn't got. Um, she's a great actress, mm. but her voice isn't. Didn't fit. Was it, it is a different skill, isn't it? Yeah, and they're just the most famous people, and just felt. And even the kids' voice, I thought, we well, can't remember some little twat was doing it. Who cares? Um, no. It wasn't the greatest. If you listen to this little twat, I'm sorry, I've not seen it, so I can't. They should pick the best voices, not the most famous people, because yes. all that work goes into it. And yet you sort of feel and so you're just drawn out of it by the slightly crap voice. Do kids really yeah. go Why? Ooh, Matthew McConaughey's playing the Beatle? Of course they don't. They want to believe in the Beatle. It was too much like Buzz Lightyear. I think the voice their voices could have been better. I just think it's really odd odd to pick the and yeah. to, they must pay them shitloads yeah, to do yeah. it. Get a better voice actor in. Um so that took me out of it. The Odyssey took me out of it. I thought I gave it seven Mareks, but it's probably better than... I think I was quite cruel on it okay. because I just felt as though it didn't live up to the expectations that I had. Okay. Uh, well, it, sa- it sounds at least like it had potential, In but terms maybe of artistry, didn't live up to it. I think it is a, a, a It's beautiful, piece. is it? Yes, yeah. What's... Uh, say the name of it again. It's a slightly odd name. Kubo and the Two Strings. Kubo and the Two Strings. All right. Well, or maybe it's pronounced Kubo and the two strings. So what are the strings? He has a sort of banjo thing. With Whenever two strings. It has four strings. I don't really understand that. Oh, yeah. I know. Actually, the strings are the bracelets he puts around his wrist. That right, okay. Okay. Um, well, that's that. I think now it's time for this. Okay, here's a letter, and this is from Weeble NY, and she says Halloween is on the way. To best enjoy this festive season, I again suggest you watch Houseu, which is house, for fun and high drinks. It's available in the US on iTunes and Amazon Video. I would love to hear you two talk about it, the way you both watch Beastmaster and perhaps even announce it ahead of time so your listeners can join in the fun. Here's the IMDb link to refresh your memories. Love and kisses to Buddy. Me, it says at the end. Um, so that how sue? Yes, we have been meaning to do this. Now we've got um, Halloween is coming upon us soon, I guess as well. So we should find some more interesting Halloween films for people to watch. I That's guess. a good idea. 
What we should do? do a watch along on a Halloween thing. Yeah. On Twitter or something at some point. Well, we've got um, we've got three weeks until Halloween, so we'll have a think about it between now and then, and try and watch some more. more probably forget. Ones. Yeah, we'll probably forget, but we'll try. We'll try and remember. We'll try and remember. It's a good shout. Thank you, Weeble. Do you want to read this one again? This is uh, another one. Another one. This is from the comedian Michael Legg. Previous Um, guest on the show. Friend of the show. Michael says, Dear Buddy and others, I've been straining my... What? It's fair enough. I've been straining my brain to recall if you ever discussed the classic 1981 film Raw, starring Tippi Hedren and Melanie Griffith, and I've come to the conclusion that you haven't. Am I wrong? I barely made it through the trailer and have never made it to the end of the film. I've tried several times, but it's just so insane that I have to stop. It stars lions. Loads of them. People acting with lions and pretending they're not utterly terrified. The lions play with the actors for the entire film, but a lion playing with you is a bit too close to a lion mauling you for me. Put it this way, the tagline for Roar is, No animals were harmed in the making of this film. 70 members of cast and crew were. Melanie Griffith got mauled and had to have 50 stitches to her face. She was a child at the time, by the way. Um, The cinematographer got scalped. Noel Marshall got gangrene. Raw really puts the production difficulties of Ishtar into perspective. If you can ever get to the end of it, I'd be very keen to find out what you think of it. If nothing else, just check out the trailer. It's monumentally upsetting. (laughs) Love, Michael. Um, So... Uh, I've heard about this. Yeah, me too. I think I'm going to watch it for next week because it does... um, It's a while back now, but um, I remember talking about the... Just how mental and out of control it seems where in the the island of Dr. uh, Moreau where just panthers are getting thrown through walls. Raw is the film I've heard is just you have to see for this stuff. Like, it just sounds like chaos and they're lucky no one got killed basically but this film is still out there and it's a bit of a cult classic for this very reason I'll track it down for next week I will watch that for next week thank you Michael Uh, one more yes this is from Richard Bald hey again I'm married David and buddy I don't know if you need letters anymore but here goes anyway I was wondering if either of you or potential guest had any movies that you've been trying to see but have not been able to find on streaming service or DVD. I've been wanting to see the original Heartbreak Kid with Charles Grodin, Midnight Run, Lonely Guy, Beethoven films, and Sybil Shepherd, Taxi Driver, yeah. Unfortunately, most places only have the Ben Stiller remake, which I'm sure is fine, but I've heard good things about the original. I was wondering if you had similar issues with a particular film. Maybe film fandanglers can help find these elusive films. Keep watching the film. P.S. Chris Webb versus Martin Appleyard are superfans. Can I suggest a Highlander type competition? As a Scot, I think it's only right that I be be Ramirez. Oh, he's suggesting from our previous fan question a couple of weeks ago yes. that they kill it, they fight each other with swords. Well, I cannot possibly organise that I'm a bit busy I think it's a good idea I mean I, people hitting each other with swords is never a bad idea but I you know I mean we don't have that many listeners and Chris Webb does live in New Zealand we don't want to lose I mean potentially lose two listeners but yeah, yeah I mean if we kept that up a sort of battle royale no, about three in weeks. the end there would be only one listener yeah 
wouldn't they? So well, I think... he'd just come round and sit in the chair and listen to us talk, go home, feel disappointed. I mean, it would be easier to do, wouldn't it? Any films that you've been trying to find and can't find? Oh, God, I am positive, yes. For a long time, I was trying to track down Mike Lee's Naked because it simply wasn't available anywhere other than VHS. And I now have it on my hard drive on the Sky Plus box, and uh, I still haven't watched it. Mm. <laughs> um, so, Naked's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. We'll do one more quick email, and then we'll... heard good things. Uh, Chris Beaton, The Crow... To- Stroke decline of movies. Dear guys, just listen to your Beastmaster podcast and interested to hear about the decline that occurred between the first and third films. This got me thinking about the Crow films. Like David with Beastmaster, the first Crow film is my all-time favourite film. And it is shot beautifully and I really feel that the first film has aged well. However, they then fall off a cliff. I'd be really interested to hear your views on the first Crow film and subsequent sequels. Keep watching the films. No. He's one thing he died, didn't he, making the crow? Brandon Lee. It was sort of the stuff of legends back in this film from 1994. And Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee's son, I believe, was tragically killed during one of the action sequences. And it's one of those urban legends that went around my school because uh, I'm, I'm the right age for the crow. Like, it was a really cool film. It. Yeah, it was a really cool film. Proper, watch, just... Post grunge thing, yeah, yeah. so people can get into the gothy thing, you know, take it a bit further. And the story I heard was that um, a shard of metal got into the barrel of one of their blank firing pistols and just shot him. Yeah, it's quite a sad story. I don't know if that is the true one, but um, the crow I remember really enjoying. I haven't revisited it, and I haven't seen any of the sequels, so I can't comment on that. They've been trying to reboot it for a while and in fact a friend of mine was down to direct it for a good odd while and I think that's fallen through The Crow had the bloke who played Guy of Gisborne in it it's a bad guy isn't he? That's right Who was every bad guy for about for about three years Why a spoon cousin why not a knife uh, Yeah he's fantastic I remember thinking even back then in 1994 that one of the scenes was fundamentally flawed which was um, they find this uh, gangster, this criminal, killed with, uh, and the police are standing over him, and it's so, it's also sort of cool and atmospheric, you know. And he says he was killed by having a syringe put into each one of his vital organs in alphabetical order. You say, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know what order they were put in? Surely you get bored to shoot him. <laughs> really expensive also, work. How do you well, how do you know that it was just like A is for appendix, yeah. B is for bum, C is for colon. Yeah, and, and how did the person know it was in there? Yeah, yeah. How would you know what order they're yeah. in? Yeah. Unless you wrote the note, I did this alphabetically. Or unless the syringes are numbered. One, two, three. That's, it, ruined, it, that's ruined it for me. I'm sorry. Um, no, I, I haven't rewatched it, but I remember it sort of being perfectly of its time and sort of really fun. Um, and it was one of these that spawned lots and lots of sequels, but obviously with different cast members and none of them ever really did any good work. I don't know if it would be something that works now. It seems very of its time. Yeah, it did. It was the perfect, you, you perfect time for it. We're not really into that whole pe- white-faced-painted sort of gothic, long black hair. It's very post-grunge, mm. you know? Anyway, it'd be interesting to go back to see if it has actually held up as 
a good film. Yeah, might do for fancy it. Yeah, yeah. Well, have you been to the see something? All right. <laughs> It's a good question. You seen something nice? Yeah, I can say so. Um, it was actually something that's been recommended to us, and I apologise. It was so far back. We have a, such a long list of films because um, we are so many things are suggested to us. We're uh, human beings, right? We're just we're humans. We do have something else to do with our lives, but I, I, we do we, we do write Very them little. down and occasionally dip into it. But I'm afraid who recommended them sometimes goes missing. But this is a film called. Raiders exclamation mark the I believe the greatest I think it's the greatest uh, fan film ever made what's it about and this is a film sorry the story of the greatest fan film ever made is the full title and this is about a bunch of kids who from the ages of about 11 to 18 or so made a shot for shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark and this is a documentary about that, but also them now in their forties. I mean, going I mean, back, at the time. Didn't yeah, yeah, at the time they made it when it first came out. Um, going back, this documentary fo- tells that story and simultaneously tells the story of them going back to shoot to shoot the one sequence they didn't get, which is the big aeroplane one with the the fight with the big shirtless muscle Nazi and mm-hmm. the propellers and then the entire plane exploding and all of that. So they raise money on Kickstarter to film the final bit. But it's also the story of this weird little thing and who all of these guys were and how they they spent every holiday making this film. And if you and I tried to do a shot-for-shot shot remake of Raiders, we probably wouldn't put as that much effort in. Like just barely go, anything. This hat is close. I mean, I'm wearing a hat. What do you want? Like, their one, like, for all its kids, and they age throughout the film, obviously, because... They, so they start old. at the top of the film. Yeah, they okay. do it in order, yeah. pretty much. And, you know, they they properly go for it. Like, they, they find a truck... And they do the dragging him behind it and climbing under it and punching people off it. They they prototype uh, the rolling rock for the beginning, and they go through five different rocks before they get the right one. They do they in with the bar scene at Marion's bar. They nearly burn down someone's cottage because they're using just petrol and fire and wow. diving through this like they are entirely unsupervised whilst they're doing all of this. And this movie just sort of gets on a life of its own because somehow um, a copy gets into the hands of um, I think it's Eli Roth actually and then it gets into the hands of Harry Knowles the guy behind the Ain't It Cool website and it, it just sort of snowballs out of there and becomes almost a thing of legend and it's the story of that but also seeing who they are and it's it's got a lot of um, American movie in it in terms of just what you're watching, these mm-hmm. guys going through making this absolute passion project. Because it sounds great. Is it? Is it great? It's really, really sweet and fun, and it is. It's not up there for me with the likes of American Movie or King of Kong because the characters in it aren't quite larger than life. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're not. You you don't get the same mentalists, but they are. They have interesting stories to tell of their lives you know and that they believe in this and it's very heartfelt and the 
the sh- even in the modern day, it's still, it's this film still um, takes them over. In that the guy is trying to film this final sequence when he now has a family and his own kids, and his boss is on the phone saying, um, "If you don't come into work Monday morning, you're fired." And it's raining, and they're like, and he's like, "I, I just need two more days, and we'll get it." And this is a it's a crappy looking film that they mostly shot on Betamax, you know, and it's, but it's just, this guy just has one of those brains. Like from what they say, they saw Raiders once in the cinema and loved it so much. They decided they wanted to do their own version of it. And he wrote out the storyboard of the whole film because VHS didn't come out for four years or whatever back then. You know, he wrote out from having seen the film once every shot for the whole film and pretty much got it bang on including the movement of the actors and where they go and what's there and what they're wearing and all of that just and then they just every single weekend and every single holiday they go and they film a bit more or they make the uniforms for it and every birthday and christmas they ask for well i need a leather jacket to play that character or i need this and this is their lives and you see you see they never show you um, the film in sequence, you just but you see a hell of a lot of it in clips of the different bits, and like it, it really reminded me and connected me back to my old childhood self who made films and just go, God, now that was the dream, wasn't it? You just wanted to be making films. You still can, David. No, of course, of course, but I, I feel like you're like, yeah, I've been making everything but film, <laughs> and films was the thing I wanted to make. You know, it's. It's beautiful, and it's funny you should talk about great um, credits in uh, the the previous film we we're talking about because in this one, over the credits, they show you Raiders of the Lost Ark and their version of the aeroplane scene that they're trying to make throughout the whole thing, back to back, and just how accurate it is is just it's beautiful, you know. And I won't tell you how how far they get in you know the significance of it or other people getting to see it or whether they even achieve it, you know, but um, whether he gets fired or not. But it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful story for true film fanatics because it's about... Because, of course, they're not making a film they've invented themselves. Mm. They're not truly filmmakers in that regard. They're kids just who have such creativity and um, resourcefulness to replicate something they love that much. And there's the third, the third guy. There's three of them. These childhood friends. So there's the n- incredibly nerdy one who has the that kind of a brain who uh, acts as the organizer, and he plays Belloc. And then there's the more sort of uh, better with the ladies one who's actually a bit of a screw up, and he plays Indy. And uh, then there is the really weird one who is almost the coolest one because he's so strange. He's just himself. And he is the one who does all the special effects. And he's brilliant. He's a brilliant character. He's just this guy who's just reveling in how they're going to make blood spurt out of this or how they're going to make a corpse melt or how they're going to... And they do it. They work out how to do it, you know. It's, it's, it's not a fantastic film, but it definitely, if you're someone like me, it just connects with something. You know, it's a very enjoyable watch. So drag it down and watch it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, did you make films when you were that age? I wrote scripts and I wasn't... 
My dad had a camera at work we could borrow once, but we didn't have the money to have all that stuff. I, w- yeah. I wanted to. I, I was lucky to enough that my dad had actually recently, uh, his dream was to uh, record, and he loves cameras, he's obsessed with cameras, like uh, you and, I, you and yeah. he could have a conversation about uh, SLR cameras for a long time, and he wanted to do his own sound and video recording company, so he went freelance when I was a kid, and then for reasons that are too private and boring to go into, he had to uh, put all of that in storage and go back to being a teacher. And so, all my upbringing, we had professional cameras and sound equipment lying around the house not being used. So that's what I did. Me and my friend Ben would run around fields and gardens making films and stuff. And it's like, you just go, oh, that is a... It's amazing what they've done with the cameras. I mean, I've just... When was I? About 2001? I remember I... I bought a camcorder to make films and I was so pleased and I've been buying cameras ever since and making crap stuff yeah I love it I I, I think it's incredible I think YouTube is incredible I think it doesn't have the respect as it deserves I think because there's so much crap on there but I think for filmmakers and for kids to be able to make yeah. stuff and put it out there oh, and, and the weirdest n- stuff out, out there there's some incredible there's nothing stuff. like spending those hours and hours just getting a single shot and then a single shot and a single shot and then editing them together into one sequence that flies you can it's, edit it's stuff amazing on, on computers that they were talking about GoPros before yeah. I think that, um, with that hot, about hardcore Henry they've got this drone now which can do aerial footage you can buy for about yeah. £800 it's incredible what's happening it is amazing I used to as well when I got a bit older at school we used to have to stay behind school every um, every day for an activity for an hour 4.30 to 5.30 you know school finished at 5.30 but the last hour was all an activity you picked and so Thursdays was filmmaking club and we were entirely unsupervised we just got the school camera and every week we carried on the story from when we'd left off last week and I've still got the whole thing that we spent we spent what seven years of our lives making and we changed clothes and haircuts mid-scene that's your own documentary we slowly get older and older until uh, having graduated, we all went on holiday to Corfu together and shot the final sequence, which is a musical number. <laughs> and it's all there from us being 11 years old to 18 years right. old. It's so much fun, you know. And I was the director of that. That was that was where I sort of... I basically want to get back into it. I've just realised now, just talking about this... Stop making films. I'm going to sack it all off and make films. Uh, yeah. But no, Raiders, if, if you are a film fanatic or someone who likes to make their own stuff then track it down you will you will get a lot out of it I'd say I give it 8 David alright well that's about it that's about it for this week we'll be back next week and I'll try and watch Raw for next week I'll try and remember so if you'd like to write to us um, then please go to filmfandango.com and fill in the form there and we'll get that and we do all of this for free Uh I don't really enjoy doing this bit, but we sort of have to to necessitate getting through this. So um, we do have overheads with cinema and all of that being quite expensive. So if you'd like to donate towards our cost, then again, go to filmfandango.com and click the donate button. Everyone who has, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, We will be back next week. Keep watching the films. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.